Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Good Lord's Senior Content Executive, and today I'm joined by Good Lord's Director of Tenancy Services and our resident energy expert, Rick Smith, to take us through an update on the energy and cost of living crisis in light of the latest energy price cap increase. So thanks very much for joining me again, Rick. I sense that this could become a bit of a regular feature with the price cap increases. Uh, that's right. So that's also off the back of the news that these energy price cap uh, changes has now moved from being every six months where we were used to it in October um, and April uh, to now every three months. Uh, so that means, yes, quite possibly these updates are going to be uh, more frequent, uh, but um, maybe none of them quite as severe as today's, hopefully. No, well, hopefully, I think that that is the key word there. But for, for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode that Rick joined me on, um, if you could perhaps give us a quick recap of your background and uh, perhaps why we at Good Lord, we call on you to talk us through these energy updates. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so my name is Rick Smith. I'm the Director of Tenancy Services here at Good Lord. Uh, and for my sins, um, I have both worked at an energy supplier setting the price of gas electricity uh, at British Gas. Um, so I was there uh, when we put up prices by about 10% in 2013. Uh, and when uh, um, the, the Conservative government led by David Cameron uh, effectively uh, asked everyone to cut the green crap um, from the energy bills. So they went down by £10. And we'll actually potentially talk about some of the consequences of that decision. Uh, today. Uh, and then uh, more recently, I worked at U-Switch, uh, the energy price comparison website, where I was also uh, their energy spokesperson. Um, so I've, I've had quite a, a long time in the industry, uh, both monitoring, observing, as well as uh, at times setting the prices uh, and driving the competitive energy market uh, at U-Switch. So yeah, um, energy is in my, in my blood uh, and also in my, uh, in my training with my degree in energy policy from Imperial College. Fantastic. Well, that was, that's a good overview, and it's uh, it's uh, nice to know that you're not you're not to blame. You're not behind the, the setting of the the prices as it is today. So that's good to to hear that you're just bringing that expertise to the table. Absolutely. So and and so when you sort of ask who is responsible, it, you know, it used to be the energy fat cats at you know the likes of British Gas, Eon, and Enpower, etc. But now the energy price cap is effectively set by the government. Um, and so they're the ones that that uh, set the maximum price uh, per unit of energy through the energy price cap. Now, the, the role of the energy price cap today is very different to um, the intended role uh, of it when it was first introduced. Uh, but either way, what we end up with is a maximum price, which currently is the only price uh, for energy really out there in the market, uh, being set every three months um, by a, a mechanism, uh, by a spreadsheet, if you will, uh, controlled and run by Ofgem, which is the regulator in the energy, uh, electricity and gas markets. And so perhaps Rick, well, we, we should talk through because it was only this morning as we're recording it today um, that they, they announced the, the next price cap increase, which will take effect on the 1st of October. Um, could you perhaps talk us through what's going to be changing on that date? Yeah, so, so um, let's talk about the fact that we're all domestic consumers. We all have houses uh, and we all use electricity uh, and 80% of us use gas. And those prices uh, that most of us are on, over 80% of UK households are on the standard variable tariff. That means they haven't fixed or chosen uh, to fix their, their prices. Now, in hindsight, that would have been great to do uh, six months ago, 12 months ago. Uh, but most of us are on this standard variable deal, which at the moment is the, is the cheapest. And it's that standard variable deal uh, which is which has got the price cap applied to it. Now, the price cap is the maximum price um, that that kind of tariff uh, can be charged at. 
And so from October, that price will change and that, that price will run uh, from October uh, through to the end of December, where it will then be uh, set again, again, based upon the calculations of monitoring uh, the fair cost, being at the point fair cost uh, of uh, of energy uh, to UK households. So there is a regulated amount of profit in there. It takes into account all the costs uh, associated with getting that energy to you and sending you your bills, etc. Um, and that's that's really what the spreadsheet does. It is not a subjective thing. It is very objective. Uh, and that's really the idea. And what was announced today was, in effect, an 80% increase uh, in the cost of gas and electricity for the average household. So remembering that this is on a per unit basis. So there's an average number of units uh, that houses you. So think of a three bed semi. Right? That's what we're talking about with with 2.4 children uh, kind of thing. That's that's what we're we're talking about. And uh, and uh, and, uh, uh, and parents uh, to go with those children. And um, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about that price on average going up by 80 percent. So that's from on average of £1,971 per year, going all the way up now to £3,549. Uh, £3, so quite an astronomical increase. Now, what's driving that is really the, the really where the, where the interesting thing is. And the reality is that it is all, nearly all, majority of it, being driven by the increase in the cost of the raw gas and electricity that's being delivered to you. So it's not really about the pipes and the wires. It's, it's not about the energy supplier's profit. We can come back to the profit word in terms of who is making more money as a result of this. But the reality is that as a result of a 131% increase uh, in the wholesale cost of gas and electricity, that is what is feeding through uh, to push up these bills. It used to be said that the wholesale price uh, was really 50% of your bill. But up until you know recently, it's it's you know still about fifty percent of your bill. But it's soon going to be making up more like two thirds of your bill, nearly three quarters of your bill, um, and that's just because it has got more expensive. And we can blame Putin uh, and the and the geopolitical uh, situation with where we get our energy from uh, is really where we can lay the blame. Uh, do, should we should we be concerned at all about the actual supply of energy? Um, you know, if, if obviously the prices are increasing, but will that supply be there? Do we have to worry about uh, about running out at any point or, or having to uh, restrict use? So, so I think that's a, that's a really interesting question. And uh, there isn't really a firm answer. So the gas, electricity, oil houses uh, are, are all participate in a market, different markets to be clear, uh, but in a market. And what is it that makes the price go up? Now, in, in relatively pure markets like oil and gas uh, and electricity, it is supply and demand. It, is, it, is, it is, comes down to whether, you, whether there is enough being created uh, and whether the demand is there. Now, the problem is that there is a concern uh, that there may not be enough uh, gas available. And it's the gas bit that is really important because we, we in the UK use a lot of gas to generate electricity. And, and that's why the electricity price uh, is, is going up because the cost of gas is going up. And so in this market, the, the concern, it is only a concern, it is, it is feeling, it is not necessarily born in reality, but there is a concern that there will be less gas uh, available. Uh, and so as a result, uh, you know, in effect, those market traders are more willing to pay more uh, for that gas because there is a concern uh, that they they may not be able to secure all of the contracts that they need, and that is again the sort of consequence of the balance between supply and demand. 
Now, some countries like Germany uh, are actually pursuing policies uh, of asking members of the public, uh, as well as public organisations like schools and uh, and uh, and public baths and swimming houses, to effectively reduce their gas demand. Uh, they've in fact turned off the heating in uh, their public buildings until October. And you might go, well, why are you heating public buildings uh, in the summer? It's a good question. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, they, they are taking these these relatively coarse actions uh, and encouraging households to, um, in effect, be more mindful uh, of how they use uh, their energy and and what they use it for. To go with that, other countries are also discounting the price of public transport uh, in order to encourage people out of their cars um, and onto public transport where it is more efficient. You can transport more people uh, more easily and in much closer together and use less energy. So lots of countries are quite actively uh, encouraging the population to use less energy um, and be more efficient about it. Whether um, those actions are enough to ensure that prices don't rise further is another question we will, we will soon see. But many countries are taking action right now and have been acting for many weeks and even months. The UK, however, um, is not. It is interesting to see where these other countries are perhaps investing their efforts because uh, sort of subsidising, reducing the cost of using public transport, for for example, that's obviously going to help with the, the, the fact that the cost of living itself is rising. Whereas in the UK, we've um, they, the government have uh, set up these these slightly more direct cost of living payments, especially to, to vulnerable households. Do, do you see kind of any advance on what the government has already uh, put in place uh, in that respect? Do you think that they might adopt some of these some of these uh, approaches that the other countries are looking at? Well, so, I mean, let's talk about the fact that I think we were actually talking on this podcast um, early this year, talking about the newly announced uh, bill uh, credit and bill help um, that the government were going to give to households as a result of uh, the energy price cap being increased to 1971 And clearly that's before it went up by a further 80%. And so the reality is that the UK government do need to act to do something. Uh, because the amount of help on energy bills alone might have been sufficient if prices didn't go up further. Uh, now that we've seen them go up further, uh, really the government needs to get back round the table to work out what they're going to do. And it is, it is, uh, my, I had speculated that something will also be announced today in partnership with the fact that the price was going up, that they would also do something else. The fact that the government hasn't done that is is quite astounding. It, it really does just demonstrate that, you know, the, the the process of selecting a new prime minister is really hampering and slowing down this country from acting in its best interests. So, you know, let, let's remind ourselves of what's on the table at the moment. So every household in the UK uh, will be given a a bill credit uh, of about of £400. Now, that will come in monthly chunks of £66 to £67 over the months of October through to March. So if you've got a direct debit, often that means your direct debit will go down by that much um, each month. So again, putting a little bit more money back in your pocket or maybe not taking as much out of it might be the, the better way to think about it. Um, but if their uh, households, uh, pensioner households, will receive an extra £300 uh, bill credit, um, and those who are in receipt of disability allowances uh, will also receive a further £150. So you know, this is the idea of trying to target uh, more money at those uh, most in need. Uh, and then uh, low-income households in the receipt of benefits uh, will separately uh, be receiving uh, £650 um, in order to, as a contribution to the, uh, the cost of living. 
Um, so that, these, these, what I'm just mentioned, those are not new things. Those have already been announced. Um, I'm not trying to do what government ministers do, just re-announce um, old policy or old money over and over again. Um, but really, the expectation is that more does need to be done. Um, and exactly how that's done um, you know, is yet to be seen. No, well, especially considering the fact that, as you've already said, this is now going to be the price cap will be reviewed every three months. It, it does seem that um, the government will perhaps have to uh, step in and, and uh, come up with perhaps further solutions um, if it continues to increase into the future. Yeah, the, 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 something will something will have to happen. Primarily because, as a result of the uh, the announcement of the increase of the cap um, from October, uh, is that. Some estimates place it that 50%, that's 50, half of UK households will now be in fuel poverty from October. And, and that's where a household is spending more than 10% uh, of their take-home pay uh, after, after housing costs uh, on energy bills. Yeah, it, it, it's, that's absolutely. I mean, and, and we used to be talking about like, oh, you know, there's um, there's five hundred thousand households in fuel poverty, and you know, there. What can we do about that, and how do we drive that down? Um, now, you know, with the fact that uh, you know, over thirteen million households are going to be in fuel poverty, uh, it really is. You know, the question of heat uh, or eat uh, is a a catastrophic question that would be asked by too many households uh, unless the government does act. We'll be right back after this message. Do you want to stop wasting time on admin and jumping between different platforms to get just one job done? Do you want to focus on your agency's business goals instead? From automated offer letters and e-signing to online referencing and even rent collection, Goodlord can help your agency get rid of the admin heavy parts of your lettings job in one integrated platform so you can refocus on your business and your customers. Head to goodlaw.co today to learn more. Good Lord, it's just that good. So what, what can we perhaps expect then, obviously looking ahead to next year, um, do we have any predictions about where this is going? And obviously, hopefully, where the prices will start to come back down to, to more normal levels again? Yeah, well, the, the the prospects of the prices coming down to normal levels is uh, is way off. Um, you know, the Bank of England and other commentators uh, are saying that uh, you know this is these prices are here to stay for for years, not not months. Um, and so it should that really should be one of the things that informs uh, what households do, um, as well as what sort of government support um, is uh, is delivered. Yeah, I would really like to see a nationwide uh, installation program, one where installation is talked about, uh, which is demand reduction. This is the idea. Like it's it's one of the things that that hasn't been talked about enough in the UK, which is demand reduction. It's the idea of use less, not use less and be cold, but use less because your property is more efficient. Uh, and it goes beyond fitting efficient boilers. It goes to it goes beyond fitting double glazing. It's it, you know it goes to the idea of insulating walls, um, increasing the amount of insulation in lofts, um, and making sure that heating systems are running efficiently. You know, draft busting, etc. So, given that these prices are here to, here to stay, and you know some forecasts are putting uh, putting the price cap going from where it's going to be in October, which is about three and a half thousand pounds. 
to over £5,000 in January and potentially £6,000 in April. But it, what's really what's really important about when these numbers are banded about, about these future price cap uh, expectations, is that uh, this is a process of, um, of um, analysing the cost of delivering gas electricity on a daily basis. Uh, and in effect, as we get closer to the point when those are locked in, um, those numbers become more and more confident and you know, they stop wobbling about. Um, I try to describe it um, as like using a snooker cue, uh, holding it at the thick end and pointing at the pointy end um, at a dartboard. It's actually quite difficult. You know, it's wobbling all over the place. Uh, but as we get closer to the point of uh, the point of announcement, actually, we start holding the, the snooker cue much closer towards the pointy end and it's not wobbling about quite so much. Um, and so uh, those numbers you know, sound scary. They are scary, uh, but they are not certain by any, le- by any me- measure at this moment in time. And obviously, with the fact that energy efficiency, it is a hot topic. Um, you know, it always has been in recent years, but especially now, uh, there is new data which is which is coming out at the moment. I think Active Building Centre uh, saying that uh, significantly improved housing stock would allow the UK to offset its Russian gas imports more than twice over and reduce household energy bills by over two thousand six hundred pounds. Um, there was some research from Octane Capital that shows that just a third of rental properties currently have an EPC rating of C or above. I mean, how much? of this do you think can be factored into to to all of this the fact that um, minimum energy efficiency standards in in private rented homes uh, by on new tenancies by 2025 it's anticipated that an epc band c will be required you know we'll, we'll be moving fast enough to actually make a difference and to uh, to help support uh, the private rented sector and ensure that tenants don't feel this impact quite as strongly as, as they may do otherwise mm. and 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 this really comes it, yeah, what, everything that you've said so far, you know, is not new information um, in terms of both the quality of the housing stock that we have in the UK, the fact that it is amongst the leakiest in terms of heat uh, in Europe, and we're not the furthest north or the furthest south, um, and uh, the standards to which we aim to keep our buildings uh, does need to improve. Um, and so, uh, whether it's about um, you know spending that extra thousand pounds to double glaze, um, you know that that room or those windows instead of um, instead of just painting uh, or maintaining as is, um, you know that's really where we're going. And in, you know when as bills are hitting these astronomical highs, uh, tenants will be looking at well, how much is it going to cost to live there? Whoa, it's going to cost that much because those numbers are on those EPCs. Um, you know, I think there will come a point, and I don't think we're far off it, where tenants are very actively choosing to live in those properties with lower bills. And and this is this is the point that I hinted at earlier, which is in 2013, um, when we cut the green crap, uh, to, to quote uh, David Cameron, um, what we did is we defunded, we removed money uh, from funding the nationwide insulation programs, where you used to be able to get free loft insulation, you know, as, as an example. Um, you used to get, be able to get uh, free draft excluders and and um, uh, and radiator panels um, as a, as a part of this this scheme, but by by removing the funding from that, the rate of loft insulation just as a as a as a measure uh, effectively went went down by ninety percent, and uh, and and this is one of the things where it is really telling that everyone knows that you know. It's a really good idea to to insulate that. It'd be a good idea to to 
um, you know, to uh, add that extra layer of insulation either to the loft or under the floor or to the walls uh, or, or the, the triple glazing instead of the double glazing, uh, as an example. Um, but it does take leadership and schemes that make these make these things happen and deliver them at scale and at pace uh, in order to really have an impact on a nation uh, of um, poorly insulated buildings. We're also not building terribly efficient buildings either. Um, and so as a result of lobbying by the house builders, new homes have not been uh, what was going to be called zero carbon meaning effectively they generated uh, as much electricity over a year as they used. Um, and, and it was they, the house builders convinced the government that it was too difficult, too expensive to do that. But the reality is that, yes, it would have cost more. That is true. Uh, but as a result, we have built homes that now need retrofitting uh, with more insulation uh, and more efficient appliances uh, to heat them uh, than we would have if the government had had held their nerve. So we really do end up in a, in a situation where um, we need to invest in our homes uh, and we need support from the government to, to do so, both from um, uh, in terms of schemes and incentives uh, to do so. And they should be leveled at being accessible by landlords, by homeowners, uh, with a, a way for tenants to also engage with it. Um, in order to help reduce their bills more often than not. It does seem to be one of those almost the last last industries where um, consumer demand and what the expectations are of consumers within that industry hasn't necessarily pushed a change in that end product. You know, you look at clothing and, and things like that. And obviously, um, you know, consumers have started demanding um, more eco-friendly solutions, sort of more uh, being a bit more conscious of their choices. And it seems that property is perhaps one of those remaining industries that still needs to move in that direction to actually not only help the government achieve its goals in terms of energy efficiency and net zero, but also ensure that uh, tenants, uh, you know, tenants, homeowners are getting what they want and what they need and what they're starting to really ask for right now, which is uh, the energy efficient properties. That, that's right. But, you know, I mean, let, let's also be clear that the 80 percent of the properties and the homes that we'll be living in in 2050 have already been built. So we're not about to see a sort of wholesale demolition uh, of large swathes of, of homes, quite the opposite. Uh, but so the new houses we built need to be built to good standards uh, or great standards. Uh, and we need to uh, be improving uh, the quality and standards of our homes as well. And this is this is where it, this is where it comes in, I think, which is that um, landlords will often look to their estate agent um, to advise them, you know, what, you know, what is what's going on in the market? You know, what are what are people doing? What are tenants looking for? Um, what can what can I get for my for my uh, for my property in terms of either rental or sale value? And it, it is quite possibly at these transaction points where um, where schemes and incentives could be leveled. So, so for instance, um, there are even green mortgages. So there are already plenty of stories of people being unable to get a new mortgage from a particular provider, to be clear, because their property did not meet um, an EPC band rating of C or better, as an example. Um, and there are even ideas. These are ideas for policies, um, including w which is that if you install a heat pump and remove your gas boiler uh, after buying a property, uh, that in effect you will get a refund or a partial refund on the stamp duty, as an example. And so this is what these, these are some of the sort of sort of market based mechanisms, i.e., at the point of transaction, 
which you know the government is considering uh, in order to incentivize and promote uh, the investment in our homes across the UK. Um, does it go far enough? Will it will it work quickly enough? You know, is is really the the question. Um, and there is quite a lot of technology out there which which helps. Um, but you know, uh, estate agents, land agents, property agents um, are you know right at the forefront of being able to be the helpful advisor uh, to landlords and future owners um, to be able to sort of point in the in the appropriate direction and. Tenants demanding uh, more energy efficient buildings um, or ones with lower bills, um, you know, is is gradually or progressively accelerating, creeping up the agenda. And along those lines, I think it's, uh, it's very recently this week, in fact, that um, that bills included, it's been uh, um, in the news that the bills included is one of the most searched for terms in property searches. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's a, still a sustainable option for landlords and agents to be able to offer those? I, I do. I do. So um, it, you need to be careful who you work with in order to offer those those propositions. So if you yourself as a landlord, for instance, uh, are offering it to your tenants, you have to be, you need to be super mindful that if you are not fixing your energy, the energy prices uh, that you're paying, uh, you may well find yourself trapped between the rising cost of gas electricity in the house and your ability or inability uh, to increase the rent uh, to cover that. So, so when, you know, you, you need to be very mindful that, uh, that you're balancing appropriately the costs that you're expected to pay, as well as the, the the money that you collect, there are providers out there who will fix your the contract, fix the the, the price of gas electricity. That's fine. Those deals are fewer and further between these days. Um, but it is a way of the tenant effectively trying to get that price confidence, that price security. That okay, I've I've got this monthly amount, and you know that's that's all my bills covered uh, for now, at least. And that's where that's where that uh, appetite and demand comes from, whereby they are able to package it up and and have one nice, neat, uh, and simple solution. Um, but also, you know, we have a uh, you know, there's always new uh, generation. The TikTok generation uh, are you know progressively uh, moving out of universities, halls of residence, uh, and into private uh, rental accommodation. Uh, and you know, their expectations of um, the houses that they rent and the services that they get uh, are very different to previous generations. You know, they do want simplicity. They may well be willing to pay a little bit more for that uh, nice packaged uh, sort of conclusion. Um, and so, yeah, the bills inclusive proposition, I think, is is definitely here to stay, but it is being challenged by the the rapidly increasing costs. And perhaps just to uh, just to round off our conversation, Rick. I mean, would you say would you have any? top tips in the ways that agents can advise their landlords aside from I know we've obviously covered some in our conversation but any um, top tips in terms of how they can support them what advice that they can give to them and their tenants as well yeah I I would um, so tenants uh, tenants in properties with combi boilers which is which is increasing the vast majority um, I would actively encourage them to uh, google how to how to run my combi boiler efficiently um, and you know there are tips and tricks, including just turning turning the big temperature dial on the radiators down on the boiler. So this is about flow temperatures. Uh, it's it's literally a ten second job uh, and can save save you ten percent on your energy bills, which could be three hundred and fifty quid, um, as an example. So that's for tenants. You know, very easy to do. Um, lots of YouTube videos about that, uh, showing how to do that. Uh, when it comes to advising landlords, 
one of the things I do is is say that you know when you next get the opportunity to be making improvements to to your property, like I would uh, you know if you're just redecorating a room or redecorating throughout, um, do make sure you take the opportunity to um, put in that loft insulation uh, or even top it up. You know, it used to be that we talked about 10 centimeters or four inches being the uh, appropriate amount. Now we're really talking about a foot, 12 inches uh, of loft insulation being the uh, sort of the ideal uh, amount of loft insulation, as well as, you know, those drafty, drafty windows, you either get them uh, seen to by a window doctor uh, or appropriately replaced um, with some modern performing double glazing or even triple glazing. Like the investment in the, in these properties for these energy efficiency measures, I have every expectation will pay dividends when it comes to needing to um, uh, transact to them, either be renting them uh, or to be selling them in the future. These are investments in in an asset um, and energy efficiency uh, is both investment in the asset as well as the ongoing yield um, from uh, from those rental payments. So um, don't be afraid to, to do that. And also, you know, Talk to your tenants. You know, if you you know, talk to your tenants. Identify. You know, you know, are there things that that could be done to make the the house more comfortable? Often, it's comfort rather than uh, otherwise, um, because a, a happy tenant uh, is a tenant who's likely to pay their their bills more often um, and uh, is likely to stay longer. And you know, if they're not paying huge amounts on their energy bills, they're going to be more likely to be able to uh, to to pay their rent. Uh, going forward so do have those conversations they'll know where where it's cold where it's drafty um and uh and what could be done to improve it you know that sort of constructive and productive conversation with your tenants uh, could really pay dividends uh, there's some great uh, great tips to be sharing and also on on our news agent site we do have some extra free resources there for for agents to download whether it's FAQs to share with your tenants and landlords just keeping them up to date in terms of what's happening with the energy crisis um questionnaires that you can send out to your tenants just in case they're struggling to pay rent and so on so um I'll make sure that I pop some helpful links into the show notes uh, just to go alongside this podcast but otherwise thank you ever so much Rick for joining me again just to talk through the uh, the most recent changes it sounds like um, there are actually some positives um, for landlords and agents to, to take from this just in terms of potential investment opportunities um, and just shoring up for, for the future, um, as well as some, some very helpful advice there for, for tenants and anybody uh, struggling to, uh, that may struggle to pay their, their energy bills over the next few months. So thank you very much. Thank you, Susie.